0: Hallelujah, thank you. Daniela and Tanya and the whole team, thank you, Lucas and Stefano and Yosef and Oman. What a great team we have, guys. It is going to be a great night here in the Word of God. Hopefully you allow the Lord to touch you and move in your heart um, during that uh, those times of musical worship. And I always like to say musical worship because there's more than one type of worship. You know that. But welcome. We're glad you're here. Members, welcome home. Those of you that are visitors, welcome to King of Kings community here in Jerusalem. And welcome everybody watching online tonight, Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, and now on Instagram, I was told today. So praise the Lord for that. Welcome on all of those platforms. We've got some updates for you. As we start to dive into the Word of God tonight, uh, over the last couple of months, you've heard me mention this concept of a booklet that we were working on, right? A booklet. I don't say book. I don't want to be hypocritical. I read a lot of books, but I don't like reading books. I don't learn best that way. I learn in other methods, but I do read a lot of them. I make myself read them, but it felt hypocritical to write a book if you don't like to read books. So I did not write a book. I wrote a booklet. This is what it looks like. It is finished. Thank you for your prayers. Um, those that were online with us before the service, they got introduced to this. Uh, we will be covering this booklet. This is a discipleship booklet with short chapters and then uh, questions for group discussion in this spring's discipleship classes here at King of Kings. Uh, Maybe, Ula, you can help me in the next couple of weeks make some of these available in the lobby for the people to take them. Our members can just take them. They're free to you. We want to bless you. Be encouraged in your devotion times. If you want to give a love gift to help the printing, do it. If not, I just want your spirit to grow. And remember, it is a booklet. Very important. Amen. Also, I just want to remind the prophetic council that we meet this week. So check your email invitations. Make sure you have all that you need to do to meet us later this week, Prophetic Council. I'm saying that to those of you that are here at KKCJ, but also to the Prophetic Council members that meet at other campuses. Remember, your Prophetic Council meeting is this week. So much is going on in the world. Um, We're blessed to be here to worship with you. We really are. We hope this time inspires you. Uh, we're not here uh, to entertain you. We're here to give you an environment where you can go deep and rich with the spirit and presence of the Lord. Now, before I dive into the word, I have to back up a couple of weeks. So we began this series called Gaining Strength. And in the opening night of Gaining Strength, I looked at 10 ways that Daniel, the prophet Daniel, gained strength in a difficult series of serving seven different kings and three different empires. So no matter how much success he had, he quickly lost it and then got it back again, but higher. And then lost it and got it back again, higher. And every time he lost it, he, came, he got even higher until he was like second in command, right? So we remember that. And then in week number two, Pastor Wayne went through the six ways that Elijah gained strength in the face of being hunted by Jezebel. You can catch all of these in the archives. Then, after that, we looked at Joseph and how he gained strength in the Lord, although he routinely found himself persecuted and forgotten about. Multiple times he was persecuted and then forgotten about. Last week, Pastor Vaco did a wonderful job of looking at King David and having walked through a very difficult time in his life of sin and bad choices, he dove deeply into repentance and found himself gaining strength in the Lord even though he had to pay the consequences, pay the price of some of those bad decisions and what they led to. Now, after every time we get together on Sunday and we have a worship service like this and we have our classes and the things that go on after it and the prayer ministry, the elders of King of Kings, we meet together on Tuesdays. And on Tuesdays, we review what went on, what we could do better, what we would do again, what we would not do again, And then we look at the week ahead of how we're going to minister and and who we're touching that week. So two weeks ago when I was uh, speaking about the story of Joseph, I was telling some personal stories. Does anybody remember my personal stories about Joseph? No one. Great. So I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to skip that part because clearly you don't need me to go back and review it since none of you remember it. Thank you. Someone in the balcony. Bethany, thank you. It was about my little brother. Uh, Don't pretend now. No, no. Now you don't get to pretend. After you say little brother, then you can't be like, oh, yeah, I remember. No, I'm sure you remember. The stories were pretty funny. I got to be honest. So what happened was after the service, we we were in the lobby or out in the foyer talking about six or seven of us, and, and they asked me for some more stories. So I kept going. I had more of them. I only gave you a taste test of what happened to my little brother. But some of you if, you, if you, if you're joining us and you didn't hear that, go in the archives. But listen, quick summary, quick summary. My little brother fit into a mailbox. That was part of, that was kind of a big deal. We put him in a mailbox. Then we put him in a freezer. He, then then he, he told us, he, you know, he couldn't fit in the dryer. So we put him in a dryer and we only did one rotation with the button. He only went around once. And so we were reviewing this as elders and the elders said, you know, Pastor Chad, that was great you may want to give an update on how your relationship is doing with your little brother. So let me just start with the update. First of all, no physical damage. No one was harmed in this growing up. My little brother, by the way, he's, he's about this tall. He's about, if you're in feet and inches, he's six, three and a half. He played tight end in football, so he was one of the big guys in football. So clearly, I don't stuff him in things anymore. <laughs> he thinks he can stuff me in things, but I'm scrappy. Uh, no, we have a great relationship. We're, we're friends, and we connect, and I see him just about every year when I'm traveling for ministry in the States, and we try to encourage him in the Lord. Um, but yes, uh, we, it didn't cause a problem in our family. Uh, And my older brother, who helped inspire a lot of this, no, I shouldn't shouldn't shift blame like that. Uh, He he has come back to the Lord as well. So everybody is in the Lord. I think that is an important part of that story. So if you feel like you damaged your siblings beyond recovery, God can redeem even that situation. But our family loves the Lord. Hallelujah. So... Listen, let's let's dive into the scriptures tonight. Let me start with 2 Samuel chapter 12. And as Pastor Vaco was teaching about David last week, it struck me that David was faced with a moment of raw truth. A moment that none of us want to be faced with. But he was faced with a moment of raw truth that caused him to physically do something. He had made a series of bad decisions, right? We remember the story of of Bathsheba. He had won these two great victories. Over 40,000 people had been defeated. The the, the army went out to the next war, and David didn't go with him as he would normally do to inspire the troops. He stayed at home, and then for whatever reason, he was on his rooftop, and he sees Bathsheba, and Lust and selfishness and adultery and all that comes up in him and he sends for her. And the attendant tells him, huh uh, that's a married woman. And he does it anyway. God gave him guardrails and he ignored them. And he sends for her. Bathsheba comes and Bathsheba says, I'm married. Warning number two. He had guardrails and he ignored them. We know the story. He sleeps with Bathsheba. He commits adultery. Then he wants to cover it up because she gets pregnant. He devises this plan for Uriah to trick Uriah that he impregnated his wife, but then he wouldn't do it. So he tells Joab, the commander, have him go to the front lines, pull back. He's going to die. And it was murder. But then there's this piece of the story where David is is not yet embracing what he's done. 2 Samuel chapter 12, 7 through 9. God sends the prophet Nathan to him. And Nathan gives him the parable and says, there was a rich man with thousands of sheep. There was a poor man with only one sheep. A visitor came. He wanted a meal. And instead of taking a sheep from his whole herd, he went and took the little one sheep that the poor man had. Now, what should be done of this man? And David said, you should kill that man. And this is where the scripture picks up. Then the prophet Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little... I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Nathan speaks to David and he says, you are the man. And this is a moment of raw truth that none of us want to be faced with, but it causes physical reaction. And it causes us to drop our head in shame. No doubt David's head was down for a while. He was taking it all in. He was hearing the prophet. David was going to be faced with a choice. Now what are you going to do? You've already ignored all the other warnings. What are you going to do now? David was ashamed. He was ashamed of himself, of his decisions, of the outcome. We know the child dies, so he causes yet another death. What a shameful moment. Perhaps there's been times in our lives where we have done something, made decisions, been confronted with truth, had to confront our past, and the situation caused us to drop our head in shame or maybe we were embarrassed, we couldn't look up, we couldn't look people in the eye, if they only knew what I did, if they only knew who I was, if they only knew what I said or what I stole or what I really think, we would drop our head in shame and embarrassment. You know, there's, there's been times I like to share with you personal stories. And if you haven't noticed in most of the stories I tell you, I don't always come out looking rosy at the end of these stories, but I tell you, thank you, Pastor (laughs) Vaco, but I tell you the stories because I think we learn as much, if not more from failure than we do from success. It's the same strategy we use in our leadership training academy. We talk about things that don't work and that were broken and things where we messed up more than we talk about the ways we did it Right? But there are times in my life, of course, when I've had to just drop my head in shame and be faced with that raw truth. I remember, uh, I was a teenager, I went over to my friend's house and they had a trampoline. And we were jumping and as would be with a couple of teenage boys, the spirit of competition sets in somewhere along the way. And there's a game we're gonna have to invent And the game is going to be who can double bounce the other person higher. Now, if you're not familiar with the concept of double bouncing, let me explain this to you. On a trampoline, you can jump alone and produce your own force. Or you can alternate with a friend and happily opposite one another and you can bounce and have fun. You're, ah, it's fun. Or if you really want to spice it up, you can jump and bounce right before they land and the double impact of your weight will shoot them twice as high. So of course, this is the one we chose. And we're bouncing people. I mean, we're bouncing them so high. People are flying off the trampoline. You know, we're just, we're measuring, we're giving scores. We think we're like the Olympic judges. We'll give you eight out of 10 for that one. And and one of the parents comes out and says, this is dangerous. This is not wise. You need to stop. Someone's going to get hurt. And of course we decided that they didn't know what they were talking about, but we were much smarter as teenagers. So we continued the double bouncing. And one time I had this guy going so high and I made this decision that if you could double bounce them really high one time, what happens when they came down? If I double bounced them again, So we time it right. If anybody's ever done this, I know, come on, somebody. I'm not the only one who ever figured out double bouncing. So I'm double bouncing this guy, and I hit it perfect. Boom, and he goes just so high. I'm like, whoo. And I'm thinking while he's up there, oh, I'm going to get him when he comes back down. I'm going to do it again, and maybe he'll go four times as high. And so he comes down, and I time it, and I time it. Here he comes, here he comes, and he goes, boom, I bounce him again, snapped his ankle and broke it. Here come the parents. What happened? And he's screaming. I mean, he's screaming. You can hear him down the block. Scream. Here come the parents. What happened? What happened? Whew. Chad, you're the man. Like, what are you going to do? Here goes your head. I, you know, I was. That's my fault. I did that. I disregarded all the warning signs. I disobeyed. What are you going to do? You did it, and you're so ashamed. Now you got your buddy. He, they get, they're driving him to the hospital. He's still screaming in the car. I don't see him for a week at school. Comes back on crutches with a cast. All because I wanted to do something fun for myself. I was ashamed of it. I remember seeing his mom when they dropped him off. <laughs> I want to see her again. You, know? you look around. Look that way. <laughs> and I was ashamed, of course. I remember one time... Uh, I was in our own backyard, and in our backyard, we had a fence, there was a wooden fence around it, and we were playing ball, throwing balls, whatever we were doing, and and, uh, of course, something had to go over the fence. That's just how it goes. It has to go over the fence. It can't ever stay inside the fence. And um, I was like, okay, I could spend time to leave my yard and go around the neighbor's house and go knock on their door, And tell them, my ball went in your yard. Can I go back there and get it? I was like, that's going to take too long. I'm not doing that. I'm jumping this fence. So, of course, what I do, I just shimmy up the fence, run, jump, grab the fence, and I'm going to pull myself. And the fence just collapses like two or three of the pieces. Just. (laughs) So, what do we do? We pick up the pieces real quick and just lean them. We lean them back up on their own. Like that'll solve it. Like that'll fix. Everybody will be tricked by that. I mean, and I left for work. The fence looked good, and I came home. It's leaning, natural. No, of course, of course. So my dad gets a phone call. Hey, any chance your son broke our fence? Dad comes out. Did you guys break their fence? What? Did you break their fence? I don't understand, what's the question? What? <laughs> say it again, phrase it differently, I don't understand. Did I break their fence? Chad, stop playing games, did you do this? Yes sir, I did. I told you not, not to jump over the fence anymore. Yes, you did say that. And you disobeyed me, I sure did. Okay, well, come on, we're going to the neighbor's house. Oh. I had to go stand in front of the neighbor's house, knock on the door, open the door. My head is down. I'm like, dude, this is so embarrassing. I think I even, I don't cry a lot, like in my life, but I I felt my lip quivering. Like I was embarrassed. My lip was doing something weird. And I had to tell a guy, I jumped the fence. But but haven't you done that before? Yes, sir. Didn't you break it last time? Yes, sir. Didn't your dad tell you not to do it? Yes, sir. Thanks for rubbing it in. I mean, just, just keep going with this line of questioning. Yeah, I'm feeling good about it. But there's times in our life, children and as adults, we're going to do things, and you're going to drop that head. you're embarrassed, you're ashamed of yourself. That's what King David, he was in that moment. And I'm not trying to equate breaking a fence with murder. But the concept of what you feel inside is so ashamed of yourself, and you're embarrassed. They're sobering moments. They carry heavy emotion and they force us to discern who are you going to really be? Are you going to own up to this and change from this point forward? Or are you going to pretend that wasn't you? Many times it's a wake-up call to assess our own character. You know, we see this in the Seudat Ha'don. We did it last week where we read the verses from 1 Corinthians 11. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You ought to examine yourselves. And it says, if if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under judgment. There's wisdom there. In David's case, God was gracious to him, and he assured David that through his repentance, he had been granted forgiveness, and that his repentance was accepted that God would restore him. What it says in 2 Samuel 12, 13, if you're still in that chapter, then David said to Nathan the prophet, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. So it wasn't like God just left him there. His head was down. He was ashamed. But the Lord assured him after true repentance, deep, remember, David had fasted. By this point, he had already, he was going through the mourning process of a son. He fasted and the son didn't live. But David is feeling this and he repents. And the Lord hears the true repentance and delivers the message, I have heard you, you are not going to die. Now, certainly David has one of the most sobering personal revelation moments that caused him to drop his head in shame. And there are other stories in the Bible that carry the same weight You're probably familiar with one of Yeshua's apostles and disciples, Peter, right? Kepha, Shimon. And he's the gung-ho one. He's the most vocal. He will never leave Yeshua. He tells Yeshua, I will never leave you. It doesn't matter what they do to me. I will never leave you. And in Matthew chapter 26, 34, Yeshua says, truly, I tell you, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. There is no way that's happening. I would never disown you. They could threaten to kill me. Yeshua, me and you, we are so tight. There's no chance. Yeshua says, tonight you'll do it. Now, all three gospels, all the other three gospels, so all four of them together, every one of them has this account. I won't leave you. Yes, you will. You'll deny me right? And all four of the Gospels talk about when he finally denies the Lord, but it's Luke that captures the emotion of the moment. Look at Luke chapter 22, 60 and 61. After they are accusing him, you know the man. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. That's the third denial. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you'll disown me three times. You talk about a drop your head moment. I'll never deny you. Three times you'll do it. No, I won't. Yes, you will. And on the third one, Yeshua, who's under an illegal trial, by the way, has the wherewithal to know in his spirit that way over there, his disciple is disowning him for the third time. He waits for the rooster, the crow, And as soon as he crows, even though he's focused on getting tried, he looks right at Peter. That's what I told you. Man, when Peter saw Yeshua, that head had to go down. I'm so ashamed that I just did that. And Peter, like David, had to live in that for a while. Right? Because we don't get to the part where Yeshua brings him back out of it for quite some time. We go through the whole death and resurrection, and and then Peter gets to connect with Yeshua on the reconciliation. John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Yeshua said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Yeshua said, then feed my lambs. And again, Yeshua said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Yeshua said, then take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Yeshua asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Yeshua said, feed my sheep. We're smart enough to know that Yeshua wasn't Unaware of his love, he was giving Peter a chance to atone for all three denials. You said you didn't know me? Let's fix that. Do you love me? I do. You said you didn't know me twice. Do you love me? Yes. How about the third time? Do you still love me? Yes, sir, I love you. God took David and figured out a way to lift his head up. David could never have lifted his own head up after what he did. Yeshua found a way to to pick up Peter's head because you just denied the Lord. The thing you're not allowed to do. Mr. Peter, and on you I will build the congregation. And you did it three times. Peter would have never, in my opinion, Peter would have never recovered. That's my personal opinion. If Yeshua had not lifted his head I don't think Peter would have ever recovered because of the guilt of standing in front of a crowd saying, you should know the Lord Yeshua, and somebody would have said, wait, aren't you the one that denied him? I don't think Peter would have ever recovered. And the Bible is full of these stories, Adam and Eve, for goodness sakes. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They dropped their head. Shame and guilt, we know it because of it produced a physical response. To David, it was just fall over broken. Peter had to be restored three different times. And Adam and Eve felt so ashamed, they went and decided to make some kind of clothes out of leaves. Shame produces a physical response. And when they heard the Lord, that was probably the only time in their life up to that time, they did not want to hear the Lord coming. Right? Think about it. Think about how excited they would be every afternoon. We get to hear from God. The creator is coming back today to tell us another lesson. We can't wait for it. It's our favorite time of day to be in the presence of God almighty. Not today. That is not the one they wanted. They were shamed, hiding, covered, physically showing the signs of shame and guilt. Now, just like David, there was a price to be paid for allowing sin into the world. And even though we don't read of any additional sinful actions or decisions that Adam and Eve made, the consequences of sin entering the world had already poisoned everything. You think there weren't times in Adam and Eve's life since they're the only two people on earth besides Yeshua, but I'm talking about human only, the only two human only people, Whoever experienced life without sin, and every time they saw what sin did, you think they didn't feel guilty about that? Every time one of their grandchildren were born diseased or someone died or there was anger and war, you think they didn't think about what they did? That shame was going to always try to attach itself We know of some of the consequences of pain in childbirth and working the fields and the bodies are changing and everything's changing. The way we look at each other changes. The way we relate together changes. Put that, we got a little cartoon for you just to lighten the mood for a moment. I went heavy on you for a minute. Be honest. Do these fig leaves make me look fat? Eve dressed like a shrub and asked Adam that old question with no safe answer. Over here, we've got, honey, think about it. I'm not seeing anyone else. I'm not seeing someone else. You're the only woman for me, both figuratively and literally. Right? The sin caused all of that insecurity. Are you seeing somebody, Adam? Who am I going to see? So what was God's move? How was God going to solve this? How is God going to solve it in your life? Well, in Genesis 3, for Adam and Eve, it says in verse 21, then the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and his wife, and he clothed them. You have to realize that it wasn't Adam and Eve that could lift their own head. They couldn't solve the problem. They couldn't fig leaf their way to feeling better. It took God coming to them and saying, I still love you. You need to recognize what you did, but it's not the end of what I'm calling you to do. Let me help you out of this. What you tried to do was fig leaves. I'm going to give you animal skins. I'm going to help you get past this. Adam, Eve, Peter, David, King of Kings. I'm going to help you get past this. David felt shame. Peter felt shame. Adam and Eve felt shame. But God doesn't leave us in that place And here's God's response. Psalm chapter 3 gives you an insight into his heart. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. This is David. But you, Lord, are shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. Adam had... Walked this out. He knew how to write these poetic verses because he had been the one to be physically downtrodden and have God come to him and lift his head up and say, David, David, you're still my guy. You're still the king. You're not going to die. And the Messiah will still come through you. I have received your repentance. And it took God giving David that inspiration so he could write down, but it's God who lifts up my head when my head is down in shame, pain, and hurt. Psalm 25, verse 3, no one who hopes in you, Lord, will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. God's desire is not to keep us in a place of guilt and shame, and nor is it God's past time to accuse us over and over and over, that pattern of accusations over and over belongs to Satan. Revelation 12.10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. Once we've come to a place of brokenness, we've felt that embarrassment, that shame, and that guilt, and we truly repent to the Lord, it is Yeshua who will come to your rescue, and he will lift your head up. And from that moment forward, every time the video plays of your shame and guilt and bad decisions, that is no longer Yeshua. It is Satan doing it. Once there is true repentance... If it keeps popping up, it's Satan trying to put that thought back into your life. It is not Yeshua going, hey, remind him again. Remind him how much I did for him. Remind him. It's Satan going, you're not worthy to be loved. You're not worthy to be saved. You'll never be anything in the kingdom. It's not Yeshua doing it. It's Satan. So the first step I want to give you tonight in overcoming this is remember that after repentance, if it comes back up, you rebuke Satan. He's the one trying to make you think about it over and over. God's heart is to forgive, to cleanse, and to lift up our head. That's the reason he came to die. He didn't come to die so that he could remind you over and over. He came to take that away from you. We were not created to live in shame. Shame did not exist when we were created. It was a product of the fall. So therefore, we don't live in it. That's not what you were created to do. And God is trying to constantly transform us to a state of being for which we were created. And shame is not part of that. Let me give you the key phrase of tonight. God will try to find a way to restore us as long as here's the condition, as long as we do not persist in that sin. We pick up this principle from Romans chapter 11, verse 22. Speaking of Israel being brought into salvation and grafted into the vine. "'Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off.' And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. If you are a follower of Yeshua and you are ashamed of something you did and you have repented, you have been regrafted back into whatever tree God wants to graft you into. Whatever calling, whatever anointing, whatever purpose you need to be regrafted into, you are regrafted into that purpose as long as you do not persist in your sin. So that's the second clue we're gonna give you tonight. Once God reveals to you and you have that head down shame moment, go through the process of true repentance and do not persist in it so that we can be reconnected to the purposes of God. Because this is the truth we believe in, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins, and he will purify us from all of our unrighteousness. And that's how you know it's not Yeshua reminding you of your sin over and over and over. Because in his mind, you repented, I took it away. That account has been closed, assuming you do not persist in that sin. It's a closed account. Someone else is bringing it up. It's not Yeshua. Let's have a couple of final thoughts. What have we done in our life that maybe we're ashamed of? I know I gave you some silly true life stories, but I did that so that you would think of the stories in your life that are a little bit more heavy. They carry weight, and you've been carrying that weight for a long time. Things you did, things you said, someone you hurt, a divorce, a time in your life, an adulterous affair, an abortion, stealing, whatever the Holy Spirit is taking your mind to for the moment, assuming, assuming for a moment you've repented of that, I want us to have a chance tonight to make sure, prayer team, why don't you come on up? I want to have a chance tonight for ministry with the Holy Spirit to make sure that you do not leave here carrying the same weight that you had when you came in here. You probably could think about it, what weighs you down. But let's give this to the Lord tonight. Are we listening to the accuser of the brethren? Are we really going to let God, once and for all, take it off of our shoulders tonight and you leave with a new chapter in your life? Hebrews 9, our final verse. Hebrews 9, 11. But when Messiah appeared as a high priest of the good things having come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands, that is, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all time, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls, and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself, Without blemish to God, he will cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Tonight is that night. Tonight is the night where you get free, the weight comes off of you, and your conscience is finally clean. You've repented. You have not persisted in the same sin. And you are calling out the enemy from this point forward That when he tries to bring this up, you say, no. That has already been forgiven. So that you don't live under this shame anymore. This is a purposeful goal of God. To remove shame and guilt. And to lift up the head of the person who has been living under that shameful weight. Can you stand? Let's pray together. Our worship team is going to lead us. Our prayer team is coming down forward. If you need prayer for any reason tonight, please take us up on this opportunity. This is a chance that we get to serve you back. If you're online tonight, send all of your prayer requests to wepray@kkcj.org, and we'll be praying over them for you. Let's receive. Make your body be in a position to receive whatever that means for you. Yeshua, we thank you that your sacrifice of perfection was so good, it only needed to be done once that we might obtain mercy and forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, that the sins of our past will not dictate our future. We thank you, Lord, that even though we can acknowledge the moments in our life where our head was down in shame, we acknowledge that you alone, Yeshua, are the one who is the lifter of our head. Holy Spirit, help us to discern, not only inside of ourself, but to discern when the evil one is lying to us. When his demonic forces are trying to pull us down and drown us with guilt and shame, we are to remind him that if we confess our sins, Yeshua is faithful. It doesn't say we solve it. It says he is the faithful one to solve it for us. Cleanse us today. Receive our heart of worship as thanksgiving for what you've done in our life. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Come receive prayer and let's worship before we close.